0: Hey everybody, this is Mark. Welcome back to another episode of this Poor Pastors Podcast. I hope you had a good Labor Day weekend. I didn't drop an episode on Friday because it was a holiday weekend, but I'm back now and it's Tuesday when I'm releasing this episode and hopefully you'll have another one out this coming Friday, but just wanted to stop and say thank you for listening. Today we're going to talk about ritual and community. And why it's so important not to allow ourselves to be isolated from those who can help us the most. Ritual and community, the importance of that in our reconstruction journey. That and more on today's episode of this Poor Pastor's Podcast coming to you in just a moment. Hold tight. Well, I hope you had a good Labor Day weekend. We had a really good Labor Day weekend around our place with a lot of nothing to do. Saturday, we had a group from our church over and did a barbecue. We've done that once every year for the last seven years with the exception of last year. So I guess that means we've done that six times in the last seven years. We open up our home more like our yard to everybody that comes to our church and we put on a Labor Day barbecue and it was a lot of fun. We had uh, we had about 50 people, um, somewhere between 45 and 50 people come. I'm only saying somewhere between 45 and 50 because there were four or five of them that I'm not convinced were humans, but there were at least uh, 45 humans. So somewhere between 45 and 50 people were there and it was a really, really good time and we had good food and good fun. You know, your Christian series is supposed to say, we had good food and good fellowship, hey man. <laughs> but it was a lot of fun. And so hopefully you had a great holiday weekend. Uh, we had a good Sunday, good crowd. I started a new series this last Sunday, on forgiveness. For the four weeks of September, we'll be talking about forgiveness. If you're interested in watching that, you can go to our Facebook page, North Lebanon Second Baptist Church Facebook page, or you can go find us on YouTube, and you can see a pre-recorded message that I do there. It's not the live message, but it's a pre-recorded one, and it'll give you the basic idea of what we're talking about over the next four weeks as we dive into the subject of forgiveness. And uh, see what else. So, oh, Sunday morning we started our um, our, our new Sunday school program. I'm trying to find another word for Sunday school that doesn't end up just being life group or connect group or something like that. I'm not just you know, all, I, I I know you can't always find new uh, names for things, but we definitely don't want to use the word Sunday school because it's not really Sunday school, we're doing a 12 week uh program, someone talked about calling it discipleship, but again, I feel like that is often overused, and yet it is a biblical word, so I don't know. But what we're doing is two times a year for 12 weeks, once in the fall, once in the spring, we will be teaching 12-week courses designed to instruct and engage the people who come to the classes. They are not auditing classes that is we're not encouraging to people to come to these classes simply for the purpose of listening or adding to their biblical knowledge that's not the purpose of these these are all with a with an end goal in mind And we have one class, for example, uh, being taught by a lady in our church who has been uh, developing Sunday school lessons and teaching them to uh, adult ladies. And she's worked with children for decades now. And I asked her to consider teaching a class on how to teach, how to develop a lesson, to take uh, an idea from Scripture, identify it, study it out, put it into a lesson form, and then teach it. And I think there are seven adults who have signed up for her class of varying ages. We have some, some as young as 19 and then some up into their uh, 60s who are in that class. And the weeks 11 and 12 in that class, they'll actually be assigned to teach a short 10 minute or so lesson that they've been developing over the course of this course to everyone else in the class. So they'll be learning how to do it from someone who has been doing it for decades and doing it very well and then they'll have a chance to put that into practice. But again, it was all voluntary sign up. If people wanted to do it, they could and if they didn't, they didn't have to. But if you signed up, it was because this was your intention. Then our teen class is focused on a service project, and we're building a coffee bar in our church, and using that as an outreach tool. And it's been going well so far. Um, our goal is to break the break the reputation that churches have for serving horrible coffee. So that's our goal. But our teenagers, our youth, are going to be running that, and we've bought them an espresso machine, and they're they're going to be they're working on designing and building, um, and crafting the room the foyer area where people come in and learning how to pull espresso shots and do foam art and all that kind of stuff. And I'm excited about that. So each week they're learning a service-based lesson and then getting into the nitty gritty of how to go about doing it. And then my class is a uh, finding your spiritual gift finding where you fit in the body of christ and of course we talked about that on this podcast a couple of episodes ago but i'm doing a 12 week course on that and i think i have 11 people in my class from ages 17 uh, on up through oh in the high in their late 60s actually i think i have i think the oldest member of my class is in their 70s and um yeah, so I'm I'm really excited about it. Last week was our first week. So that's, what's, that's all that's been going on. Our Labor Day weekend was a very, very busy week. We had a great service with good attendance on Sunday morning, the Sunday school hour, or whatever we're gonna call that was well attended. And so it was a great day. Then a wonderful and relaxing Sunday afternoon. And then Labor Day, we did a whole lot of nothing, a whole lot of nothing. So now we're back into the saddle,
1: back in the saddle again. We have covered a lot of territory in this podcast series so far.
0: The last couple of episodes, we've started to talk about your rebuilding process. And last week, I taught you or I spoke to you about what I think is really, really important. And that is, actually, it wasn't last week. It was like a week ago, Friday. The importance of learning to reflect. And instead of just adding this these series of doctrinal truths to become your identity. I said that I encouraged you to reflect on the person of Jesus Christ and the Word of God, meditate on it, and let it change you. And I gave you a lot of um, basis, uh, biblical basis for that. I stand by that. Uh, by the way, go go and read uh, the book of Titus and read where. The Apostle Paul talks to Titus about the grace of God, which bringeth salvation at appeared to all men. And then it teaches us some things and go through and read the rest of that chapter and see how much of what he teach, what he says there has to do with a life that you live, not specific doctrines that you hold to the Apostle Paul told Timothy, you have fully known my doctrine manner of life. And I believe that I believe that, Proper biblical doctrine is that which we can live. There are truths like the deity of Christ that don't have a direct life application. But the majority of what we need to know as Christians is how to live in a way that fulfills the greatest of the two commandments, fulfills the law as Christ did loving God and loving our neighbor as ourselves love is the fulfilling of the law and so on and so forth so we talked a lot about that last week and I hope you have taken the time to do what I suggested you do and that was to meditate on the meditate on the word of God meditate on Jesus Christ keep some notes and see in what way you may have uh, you may have changed or grown in that time period. Now, I think because we're six weeks into this series now, I think it's time for us to start talking about going back to church or what kind of church, how to find the kind of church that we need to be involved in. And to do that, I really want you to think about the gathering of believers on two different but interconnected, I think that's the right word, interconnected Ideas, and that is the idea of ritual, and the idea of community. Many times, when we have been disillusioned and then have deconstructed, because again of various uh, hurts uh, or disappointments or errors uh, that we have been made aware of, whether extremely serious or just um, a compilation of things that you know got to be where the straw that broke the camel's back was kind of where we were, and we just decided, I'm done with all of this. I understand that feeling, I do, and yet I'm still a pastor, and I still believe in the importance of going to a church and gathering together with believers. Now, please don't Um, get hung up on my use of the word church I'm using it in the popular sense that almost everybody understands it as when we say going to church yes trust me I understand the church is not a building you've made that point well done we all understand that now but I'm trying to edify and so if I slip up and use the word church to describe a building please forgive me and pray for me I still go to church I still gather together with a group of believers
1: every single week and I believe I intend to do so for the remainder of my life as God allows me to do it. I do not believe I'm ever going to find quote, a perfect church.
0: I also do not think that means that I have to relegate myself or resign myself to a substandard way of worshiping and serving God. I also think that it would be wrong-headed of me and biblically ignorant of me to think that I could worship God sufficiently and fully in isolation. If I found myself isolated, for example, in a solitary confinement cell, I suppose I would have no choice. Then I guess I could get away with saying, me and Jesus, that's all that matters, because literally me and Jesus would be all I would have suppose if I found myself marooned on a desert island and there was no volleyball there for me to put a bloody face print on, then I guess it would just be me and Jesus. Arguably,
1: it would still just be me and Jesus, but then I hate to disregard Wilson to that extent. But there are very few circumstances in which it could be said
0: that I could fully satisfy the ideal of Scripture worshiping in isolation. And yet many of us are struggling because the communities of faith with which we have been involved have placed such a poor taste in our mouth. We've experienced such damage or disappointment or disillusionment or trauma, if in some cases, that It's hard for us to ever envision going to church. I've had people say to me, I don't think I could ever go to church again. I don't think I'll ever be able to go inside of a church building again. I don't think I'll ever be able to gather gather together with other believers again.
1: Still others, because of their hurt, have decided to make their community to be
0: made up almost entirely of other people who are still living in the hurt that they
1: have experienced. Making a community out of fellow injuries is a terrible idea if healing is your goal.
0: We can commiserate with other people who are hurt like we are, but the enemy understands that We are never going to grow or be healed if the only people that we will be around are those who are still living in the hurt and the pain that they have that has been caused to them. And if our identity becomes our trauma, if our identity becomes our disillusionment, I mentioned this, I think, right out of the gate in the very first episode. But I I want to reiterate it here again. It is not a good idea for you to make your identity and your community to be, uh, uh, to be that which is made up of those solely those who are still in the same place you are. You need to find a place, one, where there are people farther ahead of you in the Christian walk, and by farther ahead of you, I just mean they have experienced healing and they are in a healthy place. As a pastor and as a counselor, I, and as a, even now as a coach, I talk to people who use as an excuse the fact that I don't understand 100% what they're going through. And this is a wall that we build around ourselves when we're not ready to let go of the hurt and we really don't want to heal. And so someone says, well, you don't know how I feel, so you can't help me. That We know that that is not true. That, that statement doesn't stand up to scrutiny. It is not necessary to understand the pain that I am experiencing in order for someone to be able to render me aid. Having worked in the first responder community, I can tell you 100% that the majority of the pain that first responders address and those in the ER address are pains and injuries that most of the helpers have never experienced. All that's necessary is for someone to understand what pain does in the body, how to stop the pain, how to stop the bleeding so that the body can begin to heal. How to attack the things which are keeping healing from taking place. Medicine that would attack the infection and so forth. But the same is true in the spiritual and emotional realm. But if you were honest, some of you, if you had to be honest with yourself, you would, you would be honest and set aside the emotion for a moment that you have not healed in the last year or the last six months or the last two years because your entire community are people who are still walking around with gaping wounds like you are. And you commiserate, you have the same, you you hate the same people, you hate the same kind of people. You compare wounds with each other, but there's not a lot of healing that's going on. And as I said last week, it's interesting how often people that are in that community criticize those who are offering a method of healing. Which makes me wonder... Whether healing is even the goal in these communities. You see, in Christianity, wounds and offenses are going to come. And then forgiveness has a place. Justice has a place. Vengeance has a place as it, as it pertains to God and what He does. And there's more to talk about there than I have time today. But God is a God who heals. He doesn't hand out handicap stickers. Say, well, the Apostle Paul said, he had, what about the thorn in the flesh? Yes, his thorn in the flesh was given to him because of the abundance of the revelation that he had received, which isn't the category that most of us find ourselves in. But even then, God didn't take away the thorn in the flesh, but he did give him grace and power to overcome that thorn in the flesh so that Paul's condition with the thorn, but in the power of God was even greater than it would have been had the thorn been taken away. And that is not what's happening in many cases with those walking around carrying wounds. There's anger, there's bitterness, there's the inability to trust, there's the inability to um, speak and worship with other believers. And it drives us to isolation. And I want to ask you, which being is it in all the universe
1: that would benefit the most by convincing you that you're better off in isolation from the group? You see, loved ones, there is no proper expression of
0: Christianity
1: in its fullness, isolated from the community of believers. We are members of the body of Christ, but no one of us are the body of Christ. We are members, particular members. Christ is the head. And part of a a healthy
0: experience of relationship with God in his body is the assembling of believers. Believers who don't always act appropriately. Believers where forgiveness needs to reign. Believers where uh, wrongdoing should be dealt with. But nonetheless, the gathering together of believers. I think this is more to the point of what the the writer of Hebrews was saying when he said forsake not the assembling of yourselves together I don't believe his intention was three to thrive three to thrive So don't stop having as many church services. That's what other people do I think he was talking about actually forsaking the assembling of yourselves together because it is in our assembly that we find our identity Hear me again with that. It is in the assembly that we find our identity and our safety and our community. The community of God's people has always
1: been that which was composed of two things ritual and community. In the Old Testament, there were a lot
0: more rituals than we have in the New Testament community of God today. And yet I think there are, other, there are many rituals that we could and should still have. The power of a ritual is in what it represents and in our ability to keep in mind what it represents when we are performing that ritual. If you don't like the word a ritual, maybe I could use the word ordinance instead. But the Lord Jesus Christ gave us one really important ritual, which is the Lord's Supper or the elements of the Lord's Table or, as Paul calls it also, the Communion. Why is it called Communion? And by the way, why is it that so many Baptist churches have gotten away from using the term Communion and, and, and opt for the use of the word the Lord's Table? Well, I think the Lord's Table is is a biblical terminology but it but the lord's table is one where there is a group gathered together communion paul said that is what the bread and the and the wine are all about it is the communion of the body and blood of christ and the word communion precludes any idea of individualism or isolation just as no one person in the communion service eats the entire loaf so no one person makes up the entire body we are the body of christ and when we when we gather together with other believers to perform this ritual jesus said this do as often as you as you drink it as often as you eat it in remembrance of me it is a ritual in which we gather together and the very process of drinking of the cup and eating of the bread, this would, have been, this would have made even more ritual sense in a time when people actually drank out of the same cup as opposed to the individual little plastic communion cups that we so often use. It would have made clear that all of the blood, all of the wine, all of the juice for all of our different denominational traditions, it was all in this one cup and, and they drank from that one cup. The cup which we bless, Paul said. One loaf, one cup. This is my blood, and this is my body, Jesus said. So, by doing this, this ritual is rich in symbolism, and it's rich in meaning. We show the Lord's death till he comes. We remind ourselves that he is one body broken for us, and as we partake of his body, as we eat of his flesh and drink of his blood, we are uh, partaking in that body and being transformed, not by the elements themselves, but in a ritual reenactment, we are being transformed into the members of the body of christ no i'm not talking about um, salvation being in the elements of the table but i'm saying our our efforts to remove from the elements of the table any symbolism or ritual importance have literally stripped it from much meaning in any of our churches there is no there is no ritual that a new testament church can perform that speaks more to the importance of our gathering together as believers and as our
1: being part of one another than the issue of communion. Because I just eat a piece of the bread. I just eat a piece of the loaf. But we are one loaf. I am not a loaf. We are one loaf. It's a beautiful
0: ritual. The ritual of baptism is another one of those things that is best done and best evidenced in community. That the idea of being uh, born again, raised again to new life, symbolizing that washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Ghost and all of those things. And it's done in, uh, in a ritual fashion so that there is this soberness and this reminder now, some people don't like rituals because all oh, the rituals are just stuffy and it doesn't mean anything. Part of the reason, when a ritual loses its meaning and just becomes an empty tradition, I grant you that it, is, that it is meaningless, but rather than scrap the ritual, especially those two rituals, the Lord's Supper and baptism, my recommendation is you find a community of believers that take those two very seriously, that sets aside for the time our individualism and focuses on the fact that we are a body. We are a community. The the very two ordinances, if that's all Jesus gave us was was those two ordinances, then those very ordinances require community. Some like to use the uh, the foot washing as an ordinance. I have no problem with that, though I don't particularly want to wash other people's feet. Again, the foot washing ordinance, if a church does that, would also require humility and community. You can't serve yourself in any Christian way. We serve other people. We have been called unto liberty, but we're not supposed to use our liberty for isolated uh, pleasures of the flesh, of ourselves. Not to please ourselves, but by love, serve one another. So ritual is very important. So even though we find ourselves broken and bruised and damaged do not allow the enemy to tell you that now the best thing you can do is stay away from anything that looks like feels like or sounds like church as is under properly understood i'm all for shaking things up and changing things around and turning things on their head but these
1: rituals matter I would encourage you to find a community of believers who takes those rituals very seriously
0: and then give yourself into the observance of that ritual. Take it seriously. Part of the use of ritual is to remind us of who we are and where we came from. It reminds us of who we are and where we came from. This is why the more individualistic a society comes, the more rituals are, are stripped of their meanings. It's why our holidays now have virtually no meaning whatsoever other than self-gratification. Where there was a time that most of the holidays, the holy days, if you will, in America had a, had a community focus and there was, there was real depth and there was real meaning. And it was out of societies where ritual meant something that the most beautiful of buildings were built and that the, art, that, that the society where art was created. And now the more individualistic we get, the less meaningful anything we construct seems to be. Our art is, is utterly meaningless and vapid. Our buildings are, are completely utilitarian. There is no beauty left. Yes, I said beauty. There is no beauty left in many cases. And ritual uh ha- brings us back to a sense of depth and a sense of community and a sense of meaning. If you, if the church you came from, where, where you were hurt, doesn't take those rituals seriously, then don't abandon church and certainly don't abandon the ritual, but don't think that you can have the ritual without the community. The rituals were intended to be
1: observed within a community of believers. Because community matters. And that leads us to that second thing that's important, which is community. And I'm almost out of time already today. But community really matters. I'm going to say this, and you know it already. Leaving the community of believers and refusing to go to any
0: gathering that calls itself church or anything that looks like church or sounds like church, we just want something that's stripped down, strip away all the formalities, strip away all the ceremonies, strip away everything, and it's just one big individualistic party, or better yet, I'll just do it by myself at home.
1: The choice to do that is the choice to walk away from biblical Christianity. I didn't say you weren't a Christian. But I am saying you're outside of the biblical expression of Christianity. Don't let the enemy take the hurt that was done to you and rob you of one of the greatest blessings that God intends for us, and that is the
0: gathering together of believers. You see, gathering together of believers, again, is not purely individualistic. It's not just about you or what you're getting out of it or what makes you happy. It's about benefiting. It's about learning where I am in the body. It's It's about exercising the gifts God has given me in the body of Christ, in the community of believers. It's about gathering together and listening to the word of God. It's about gathering together and singing songs in community. Sunday, we dropped, we sang the, we sang, our last hymn was Amazing Grace, and we dropped out on the last verse and just sang it a cappella. And we had uh, between 75 and 80, again, because there were four or five people that weren't human, between 75 or 80 people that just sang the last verse of uh, Amazing Grace. When we've been there 10,000 years, bright, shining as the sun, we've no less days to sing God's praise than when we first begun. I love that last verse because it goes from the individualism of the first verse to the to the uh, group the community focus of the last verse we're all going together we sang in our we sang sunday we're marching to zion come we that love the lord and let our songs be known it's about community again you are not the body of christ you are not the bride of christ I don't think the church is the bride of Christ anyway, but that's a subject for a different day. We are the body of Christ. He is the head. And even if you think the church is the bride of Christ, you are not the bride of Christ. We, to use that theology, we are, as a group, that we have individual expressions outside of our gathering, but it is in our gathering that our identity is solidified. It is in our community that we find our meetings, our meaning, rather, so we go to church together. We gather as the church in the church building, whether it's in a home or under a tree somewhere or in a beautiful ornate structure, and we observe rituals. I think everything that we do, from the standing to sing, to the standing to read the scripture, to the the special music, anything your church does that is ritualistic, including the rituals that Christ gave us to perform, they should be infused with meaning, and that meaning should draw us closer to Christ and, by extension, closer
1: to each other. Reconstructing our life of faith in order to be biblical will
0: necessarily require a rebuilding relationship with a community
1: of believers and resisting the urge to isolation. And as I said, also
0: resisting the urge to just make our community that
1: which is made up of other disgruntled and angry people. Listen to this statement very carefully. Communities that are built on grievance end up consuming themselves and becoming a curse to the world around them. Communities that are built on gratitude and love give of themselves and edify themselves and become a blessing to the world around them. And one of the very first communities of God's people
0: we find all the way back in Genesis chapter 12 as it's prophesied is the nation of Israel when God said in you all the families of the earth will be blessed. And in Romans chapter 1, which I believe is primarily about the nation of Israel, not Gentiles. Boy, am I getting into all kinds of trouble today. But regardless, this group of people knew God, but they were not thankful they didn't glorify him as God, neither were they thankful. So they lost the, the meaning of their rituals and they lost their gratitude to God for bringing them into that community. This is why thankfulness is key. So I'll reiterate, the, I'll, I'll say the statement one last time as we close. Communities that are built on grievance, just a group of people who complain about the damage that's been done to them. Communities built on grievances end up consuming themselves and becoming a curse to the world around them. Communities built on gratefulness
1: and thankfulness and love edify themselves and become a blessing to the world around them. Which kind of community would you like to be a part of?
0: And which one are you a part of now? Only you can answer that question. Only you can answer it. Well. We're out of time, gone 33 minutes today. Ritual and community. Make sure that as you're rebuilding your faith, you don't leave off those two very, very important things. If you have any questions, send me an email. Thispoorpastor at gmail.com or text me or call me at area code 910-265-7297. I love you and I don't want to see the enemy destroy you with lies so I'm trying to tell you the truth and I hope it helps Father help those listening move into the pain that they're feeling help them to see you in their pain to give it over to you and to walk in the love and the freedom that you bring replace their open wounds with scars that do not hurt us to then reach out and love others and find the community that you have placed us in where we can experience ritual and commonality in the faith and love of jesus christ in the name of jesus i pray amen god bless you everybody see you friday have a great week